Hi, my name is John, and this is Truth Tuesday. Today, I want to talk to you about the Bible. And whenever we're talking about truth, I think we always need to mention the Bible. But today, I want to talk to you about where the Bible comes from. Now, I have a lot of information here. So I have my iPad here to make sure that I get all the correct information and everything. Um, and it's going to be maybe a lot. We'll probably go over 10 minutes today. But I think that this is a really important subject for us to know about and for us to be clear on. So that way, we understand not just not just understanding God's truth, but understanding where God's truth comes from. And so that way we can know that we're not just reading a book that was just magically put together or anything, but that it actually does have purpose. And there actually were people who worked tirelessly to put this book together and that God worked through them in order for us to have what we have. And so when we start with figuring out where did the Bible come from, we first have to look at what is the Bible? Well, the Bible was a collection of 66 books in the Old and the New Testament. And the Bible, as we know it, is used in a variety of different ways for a variety of other religions as well. The Catholics, the, those who were Christian, the Catholics, they have the Bible, but they also include the Apocrypha in their Bible as well. I think it's the NRSV is the version they use. And typically, if you buy the NRSV, it has an Apocrypha with it, with it as well. I don't think we'll have time to go into what the Apocrypha is in today's video, but just know that that is included in their Bible. The Jews, they share our Old Testament. They do not subscribe to our New Testament. They, they use it for some historical information, but they do not believe that Jesus was the Son of God and came to die for their sins. Uh, so the Old Testament, they do not use like we do. However, we do share the Old Testament. Another religion that also uses the Bible are the Mormons. The Mormons use it. However, it is not a, it is a source text for them. But if I'm not mistaken, it's like third or fourth down their tiers. And so they have other literature that they put above the Bible that they say the Bible is true if it lines up with these other scriptures as well. And so what we find out is that the Bible is used by a lot of different groups in kind of a lot of different ways as well. And so it's important for us to recognize what the Bible is. The Bible is separated into two areas, the Old and the New Testament. The Old Testament has different portions in it, such as the law. That's like Numbers, Deuteronomy, Exodus, um, Genesis. Leviticus, right? All those different kinds of things. The history are the other books such as Judges, Esther, Kings, those kind of things that talk about the history of, of uh, Israel and their people and their kings. The, the poetry written, written, most of it being written by King David, the Psalms, the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, those books. And then there's the prophecy, the Joel, the Amos, Nahum, a lot of prophets or kind of fit into that category. And then we recognize that there is the New Testament, which includes its own categories. We have the gospel accounts written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We have the formation of the early church, the Acts of the Apostles, which is Acts. We also have letters to the early churches written mostly by Paul and some like Hebrews. We don't quite know who it was, and different people have their different opinions on who it was. But those letters to churches such as Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, and then the account of the second coming of Jesus Christ, which was written by John, which he got in a vision that he wrote about to let us know what the coming of second Christ would be like. And so when we look at all of these things, we say, well, how did these things actually get put together? You know, nobody just walked into a room one day and said, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, and put them together, right? These 
came together and there were certain books that were not included, but these books were. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the books were primarily put into the Old Testament first. They, we, they translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, which was known as the Septuagint. And even at this time, that's what Jesus used primarily. When, when Jesus is quoting scripture, but it doesn't exactly line up with what the Old Testament says, it just kind of roughly does, that's because he's quoting the Greek translation of Hebrew. And so what we recognize is that in Jesus' day, they spoke Greek, and the Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew, so that's why they translated it from Hebrew into Greek. And that's why when Jesus quotes something from the Bible, maybe it doesn't say exactly word for word the same thing, but the meaning and the message is still there, all in the same. This was finalized, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, was finalized around the 3rd century BC, and it was a standard Bible for Jews and early Christians and Jesus himself. Like I said, he quoted the Septuagint for the people. Step number two was collecting the books of the Old Testament through, uh, through canonization, right? Each gospel account was written for a reason, and those gospel accounts were indeed chosen for a reason. Now, there were other gospel accounts as well, such as Peter and Thomas, but those gospel accounts had some, had some issues that the the choosers were not exceptionally comfortable with including. And now I can't tell you exactly why or what they thought or anything. That would be me trying to speak on the uh, work of God that he was doing in them. But I can tell you that when you read through the, the gospel account of Thomas or the gospel account of Peter, there are things in there that make you go, hmm. And I could possibly deduce those are maybe some reasonings of why, but I don't want to speak on it for sure and say this is why this isn't in there. But these four gospel accounts I know were chosen with a purpose. Each one was chosen for a purpose to be in the Bible. And the letters were written to churches for the unification of authority, right? All of these churches, they didn't have a unifying document or anything. Jesus wasn't continuing to go around speaking and doing miracles. And so all these different churches in all these different areas, they didn't have a unification on their authority. And so that's what Paul sought out to bring, was a unification of authority for these churches so that they could follow, not a uniformation, they didn't need to be uniform, but they did need to be united in Christ. And the, stand, and, and the other letters and gospel accounts uh, there were other letters, like there were other gospel accounts, there were other letters as well. And those letters also had certain reasonings for why they were not included. Again, I can't tell you exactly why, because we don't have it written in the Bible saying this letter wasn't included for this reason. But I can tell you that all of these letters were chosen for a specific reason. And then, step three, was for the standard Bible to actually be issued for all Christians, something they could all agree on. Up until this point, it was just kind of brought about and kind of roughly said this is what it is. But when Roman Emperor Constantine became a Christian, he declared Christianity to be the official religion of the Roman Empire. So when that happened, they had to try and figure something out. What is our standard Bible? What is the standard Bible that we use? And so at that point in time, that's when Christians really sought out to be together and to unify on a specific text uh, of books, uh, of history that they could put together for the Bible. And it was Bishop, I, I know I'm going to say this name wrong, Athanasius, <laughs> but A-T-H-A-N-A-S-I-U-S. 
S. of Alexandria published a list of 27 books that he considered to be the authority writings of the New Testament. And so when he took those 27 and put them together, that's what everyone agreed on. It took this bishop to get up and say, these are the 27 books that I believe should be put into the New Testament, him being believed to be ordained by God to do this, and everyone agreed those were the 27 books. Now, step four was to find the consensus on the books of the Old Testament, which, like we said, eventually that did happen. But even in Jesus' day, they weren't quite sure what that consensus was. So it took some extra work, and there was a lot of controversy because you had Christians and you had Jews trying to find the same book to go together because ultimately it was the Christians who wanted the Jews to be able to convert to Christianity. So the Christians didn't want to just say, well, these are the books and live with the Jews, right? They didn't want to say that. So they wanted to come together and try to find a Hebrew Bible together in the Old Testament that they that they could rely upon. After the New Testament was compiled, the canon was finalized for the Old Testament as well. They had considered which books had camaraderie with one another and their beliefs and teachings, and they eventually decided on those books. And so that's kind of how we got it. And even today, we still verify the Bible today. Anybody who tells you that the Bible was just written a long, long time ago and nobody ever revisits it and tries to find out anything, that is completely false. Biblical archaeology is done far, far more than people realize today. And there are far more discoveries than people realize today as well. Uh, archaeological uh, archaeology is finding uh, proof for the Bible and finding the truth of the Bible in all different kinds of areas and all different kinds of things. The And I'll tell you a quick story. A couple years ago, well, maybe a few years ago at this point, four or five, there was a scroll, a fossilized scroll that was found. And the scientists weren't, and the archaeologists weren't sure which one it was, which scroll of which book of the Bible it was. But what they did know is that they did know that there were scientists who had the technology to be able to, for lack of better words, x-ray the scroll and find the metal pieces in the writing. So that way they could, on their computer, essentially unscroll because they couldn't scroll because it was fossilized. So if you tried to unscroll it physically, it would just turn to dust, right? And so when they got to this computer and they x-rayed it, they found out it was the scroll of Leviticus, and they compared that scroll to the primary writings of Leviticus that we have today, and it matched 100%. Not a letter different, not a word different. It matched 100%. And they found that this oldest writing of Leviticus that they ever found matched the current day writings of Leviticus that we have today. And that's the kind of proof that they're finding all kinds, all kinds of times, right? And it's, it's often it's not that big. Oftentimes, archaeological finds prove maybe a verse or half a verse in the Bible, right? A few, a few years ago, they, had, they found fossilized, this one's going to be kind of gross, but they found fossilized parasite eggs, which confirmed the widely disputed Isaiah 65-4, which in short basically talks about a group of people that ate pork. Well, scientists and historians didn't believe that was accurate. Well, when they found these fossilized parasite eggs in essentially a toilet back then, they recognized people did eat pork. 
And so it proved, Isaiah 65, four traces of a farming village confirmed the mysterious First Chronicles 1240 back then. They didn't find any, farming, any evidence of farming villages back then. But when they found evidence of historical farming villages in a certain area, they found that First Chronicles 1240 was also true. And another one, another big one, was the findings of preserved and exposed skin confirmed that it had tattooing on it, which confirms Leviticus 19, 28 through 29, which we use to reference tattoos and things like that in the Bible. Well, again, that verse, those two verses were sometimes contentious because people did not believe there was tattooing back then, but finding exposed and preserved skin that had tattooing on it proves that that was true. And these are just some of the findings that have happened recently. There are findings every year that people are finding and figuring out. They're connecting to Bible verses. And so the verification today is still happening. And there are far more developments than what we ever realized because there is so much going on, not just with American archaeologists, but those in different countries, those who are finding things that it's not even getting published very much. And so it just deepens our faith even more in the Bible and what God has given us. Now, I want to visit two more things before we're done. The fact that the translations of today, right? The NASB, the New American Standard Version, was initially completed in 1971. This is the version I prefer to use. I know our church uses ESV. I think that's also a great version. However, I, I just personally prefer the NASB. Uh, it's, it's just what I've used for a long time. And the NSAB was updated in 1977, 1995, and most recently, in 2020, according to the best scholarship advice available. So new findings of new documents, new archaeological discoveries that help. Now, they're never changing scripture, right? But what they are doing is they're, is they're verifying different things, putting different things in there that says that, yes, this was verified by this area. And, and the purpose of these updates is to increase accuracy, clarity, and readability. They want to make sure that it's readable, but they also want to make sure it's written in the same way as back when it was written in Greek. If you ever tried to read Greek before, it reads like Yoda, right? I mean, they say everything that should go at the end of the sentence at the beginning. They say everything that should be at the beginning of the sentence at the end. And it's really, really difficult, but I think the NASB does a really, really good job of having accuracy, but also having readability as well. But then we also have concerning versions. And some of you may know this, but in 1984, the NIV was, pro was produced. Uh, and it essentially provided readability, is what they were aiming for. They wanted to have readability above all else. Well, in 2005, they developed a new version called the TNIV, which was sold alongside the NIV. The TNIV was today's new international version. Now, this was not widely accepted due to the drastic de decision to sacrifice accuracy for more feminist and progressive interpretations that did not align with the original writings. So they, they, they got a bit more progressive than what people were comfortable with. And the NIV noticed this, and they thought, well, we put all this work into this TNIV, 
And so an, a large uproar came in 2011 when the NIV decided to do something drastic. In 2011, the NIV decided to stop printing the 1984 NIV altogether, just, just cease the NIV altogether. And what they did is they put the 2005 TNIV in the NIV Bibles, but did not label it the NIV, NIV or the, the TNIV. They labeled it as the NIV. So they swapped the translation, but kept the same name on it. And so what we found out is that they sacrificed the accuracy of the text for readability and understanding. Now, we have the Message Bible. We have all kinds of Bibles that do help us in those kind of ways. And I'm not against those things. However, what I am against is, is us taking a, a, a translation of Scripture and trying to say this is a translation, this is a version, when it's really more of a paraphrase, right? And that is inaccurate, and that is, in my mind, a bit deceptive. And so, personally, I do not read the NIV anymore. I'm not going to say that anybody shouldn't or that it's bad or anything. I'm not going to say that, but I will say that the NIV does have some issues for me. And so even though we are trying to verify today, there is also the temptation to sacrifice, it, sacrifice accuracy for readability. So I know this was a lot of information, and I don't know if you listen to Truth Tuesday for information or if you listen to it for some, some encouragement or what do you listen for it for, but my encouragement for you today would be this, would be that God's word is being proved daily and that though there are people who want to attack it, our true source that we can always go back to because he proved that scripture is real and that scripture is actually the truth is Jesus. Jesus is the one who proved scripture for us and we can always rely on him and we can always go back to him. I said it in a sermon a few years ago and I'll say it again, no matter what, Jesus. And so thank you so much for listening today. I hope you would rely on your scripture. I hope you would rely on Jesus and you would remember that God truly does amazing things that we don't even notice because he is constantly working in our lives. Thanks for listening. Thank you.